Hi friends and welcome back to the Lifestyle Edit podcast. So someone recently asked me what the biggest misconception is about entrepreneurship. My answer was simple, where do you want me to start? Because seriously, people get it so wrong. There's this idea that running a business is easy and chilled, you know, all daytime TV and yoga pants. Okay, so maybe the latter is true sometimes, but I digress. (laughs) Over the last three years, I've had so many conversations with leading female founders. Yes, they're successful, but there's often so much that goes on behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. That's why we are so committed to delving into that further and giving you a fuller picture of what running a business really looks like, both with our guests and also in our business. I wanna have candid conversations with you about the strategies that haven't worked for us or the mess ups that often take place behind the seemingly seamless launches and the picture perfect Instagram photos. So what people don't tell you is that most commonly in the early days of a business, like there are no days off. In fact, simply taking an evening off to spend time with friends and family often means that, you know, those few things that you plan to wrap up over the weekends quickly turns into hours of playing catch up. Being an entrepreneur means missing birthdays and girls trips away. It means takeout instead of home-cooked meals, cold coffees in the mornings from being distracted by emails, and sadly, kind of jumping for joy in your mind when your friend cancels your brunch plans just so you don't have to. It's a total labour of love. I'm three years into this business and it's the first time that I'm even able to entertain the idea of a balance. So it's one of the biggest commitments you'll ever make, but it's a journey like none other and totally worth it, even on the most challenging days. So this, my friend, is normal and totally common. In today's episode, I'm talking to Noemi and Millen, founders of Nomi London, who get real and candid about what startup life looks like. Their business is less than a year old. It's essentially your one-stop shop for pregnant women. So offering you everything you can think of during those nine months, all from cool, independent brands, not to mention highly curated gift sets for the different stages of pregnancy. So Noemi and Millen were the perfect people to talk to in today's episode because they're just unapologetically honest about the highs and lows they've experienced in setting up on their own. In today's interview, we talk about how they both left lucrative, unfulfilling jobs to start the business, how they reached out to founders before they started to find out as much as they could about running a business, and also how they tested the idea in the beginning and really learned how to handle negative feedback. There's just so much you learn that nobody could ever prepare you for, so we touch on some of their little takeaways too. Money is always a big pressure for new businesses. Right now, because they're less than a year old, so much of the money that they're making is being immediately reinvested back into the business. So I wanted to find out how they're managing that and how they're dealing with not necessarily having a personal income. What I love so much about their story is that it's proof that more often than not, we're far stronger and resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And fear is often a side effect from stretching, growing and truly playing big in our lives. So I'm Naomi Mdudu, and here is our interview with Noemi and Millen, founders of Nomi London. So hi guys, thank you so much for, for being on the show. We've been talking back and forth for what feels like a long time now. So I'm so pleased that we finally got to sit down and talk. Just so everyone gets used to your voices, can you just introduce yourselves? Yes, hi, um, it's Millen. 
and I guess the French accent is from Noémie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's start from the beginning. So before we start plunging into all things business, tell me a little bit about your lives before the company. So, Melen? Um, yeah, so I um, am originally German uh, and moved to London um, to study uh, and then went for quite a predictable path of uh, going into investment banking. Um, but you originally the, wanted to be on the creative side, right? Totally, yeah. Um, my dreams were crushed at the university. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, it's kind of funny because I actually wanted to, I always saw myself like, you know, maybe being a designer, going into advertising. That's really how I came to London to fulfill my creative but businessy ideas. And then I randomly met someone at a career fair who said, you know, kind of casually just went to me and goes like, oh, what are you here for? I'm here for investment banking. And I just went, for what? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Let me Google that later. Um, which is actually really funny because I'm from Frankfurt in Germany, which is like, in hindsight, now I know all my mates' parents were investment bankers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I completely managed to ignore that uh, for you know my, my kind of childhood and teenager years. And yeah, what really attracted me was actually the sense of being in the middle of it all. I think yeah, you know, banking has a really good way of marketing itself as the center of the world and yeah, kind of the the leverage on the world economy and how everything is linked to the economy, which ultimately is the truth, quite yeah. frankly. Um, and that's really what attracted me to it. I just wanted to be in the middle of it all. I wanted the buzz. I wanted to feel like I'm shifting the world, you know, like, yeah. like X-Men or something. <laughs> um, so really, yeah, that's what drove me into investment banking. And like, actually, when I think back to my first interviews, it was completely naive. I think I was talking about, there was one fatal interview, <laughs> the company shall not be named, where I literally was trying to make an argument around how like my interest in the art market was, you know, like my showed how I'm interested in investing and so on. Like I didn't invest anything forever. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I realized that's actually an actual job. So yeah, I could have made that argument a bit more <laughs> convincingly. Um, yeah. So I actually managed to um, join investment banking in 2007, mm -hmm. which now we so like know. a year before the crash, like as that cusp was happening. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of yeah another probably like a, a what moment. <laughs> When you join and like in your training, someone goes, I think we're going through a great shift in the world. And you go, oh, oh interesting. And then someone coined the word financial crash. And I thought, hmm, there's just no way to spend this positively. <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. But, you know. So, yeah, how was that like? Because I guess, you know, when I just talked to people from that baby boomer generation, they were graduating at a time where it was like, yeah, you just get a job. That's just like the thing. Yeah. And then now we're on this cusp of actually there isn't, you can do the degrees, you can do all of that, but that job security isn't necessarily there at the end. Totally. Although I actually feel like that realization only came afterwards. Okay. Because for me, it was like, I was still going, oh, all the alums said like, you know, in five years, I'm out of here because like, I'll, <laughs> I'll have my big house somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you kind of feel the change, but you don't yet know what it means for you. And you're just trying to hold on to your seat really. Yeah. It's going hey, I've got student loans to pay off. Like, yeah. you know, this needs to get me to X, you know, and I need to pay rent. And it's much more immediate than that. I mean, it's, yeah, quite frankly, actually, I, I was in no way in the position that a now graduate would be. Yeah. To enter. Well, I imagine probably graduates now probably also don't want to go into banking in the numbers that they used to. to. Um, 
But yeah, for me, it was more like being in the middle of a roller coaster. It wasn't at all going like, oh, no one's going to the theme park. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So how, you spent, what, nine years? Yeah. And how, 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 were, how were those years? Like, I can't even begin to imagine how fast-paced and busy yeah. and insane it was. It was really weird because, like, there would be, um, like, effectively, like, people were getting fired every three months. In, in my first five years or so and it's a it's a funny like maybe it's like a funeral mentality something the first couple people you're going like oh really sorry for you i hope you'll be well and like and then the it sixth, becomes a norm yeah but the sixth round you're just going oh free desk do i want to move hmm, you know no that's fine like i'll i'll sit on this one it's just like you become so cold about it um and then actually, to be honest, like, even... The Great notion. description of the financial world. <laughs> <laughs> I should be more positive. Yeah. Um, no, but actually, in the hindsight also, it really changed my own mentality about being fired. Because in coming from a German background, I think being fired is, like, the ultimate shame. It's yeah. like, you failed, you know, like, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't stay in your career for 20 years. And that really was, like, you know, everyone gets fired. Like, it's fine. Yeah. So it's so true. I feel like, especially now we're spending so much time in the States, they have a very different attitude to it too. Like being mm. made redundant, being laid off, being made redundant, getting fired, go- getting bankrupt there. It's like, it's more about how you dust yourself off. It's like, mm. who, it's, who cares? It's not a big yeah. thing. There's no shame in it. Just keep moving. Yeah. So when did the shift happen? When were you starting to get itchy feet and was thinking about your next move? Yeah. So funnily enough for me, it was at the, end of the financial crisis so like the recovery was actually when I realized what my job actually entailed and how ultimately I didn't find it interesting enough and okay. I, I really craved the challenge I actually really liked you know the adrenaline from the ups and downs and you know seeing competitors go bust and so I just loved all of that and then suddenly the real job I love it seeing competitors go bust <laughs> I live all that I'm joking well yeah I'm the nice one. <laughs> um, yeah, the actual job is like, you know, you call your limited number of clients, you know, in regular intervals and you find out, you know, things about their lives and they're all nice people and so on, but it's not like, it doesn't challenge you to the same effect. And also, I think ultimately you're such a small cog in the whole machine of a bank that a lot of it is actually just the kind of the brand and the reputation and the infrastructure that you have around you. It's not really like you yourself. Like, yeah. There's not that direct relationship between your input and. So did you know it. what you wanted to do or were you, st- or you just knew that you needed change? Yeah, I know. I only knew I needed a change and I actually am a very much researched focused person. So I went and made a long list of all the things I could potentially be doing. Yeah. Um, you know, crossed off housewife pretty quickly also <laughs> because my partner wasn't having any of it. And um, and then, you know, thought about going to schools. I went to all kinds of events, you know, listened to all the school presentations, talked to their alums and God knows what. Then researched all of my LinkedIn. I actually really went back to my own school network and yeah. stalked everyone I've ever met and tried to figure out what their jobs entailed and met them for drinks. I had lots of drinks, actually, for about two years. <laughs> Um, but I love that I actually wish that what before I started my business I took more time talking to people about the realities and what kind of goes into it and just learning more I think sometimes we focus so much on 
the actual product side of what someone's doing as opposed you as you guys know the moment you start your business that's like a fraction of what you're doing it's all the other stuff that people nobody sees yeah for sure yeah and also it kind of gives you a really nice insight into you know how people experience their roles because i think sometimes when you read about things you know, everything's glossed over and so of on. Of course. And in an actual conversation, like, the, the pause comes to mind. And <laughs> you're like, oh, hold on, tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you actually realize, like, oh, what kind of person am I? Like, yeah. That's the kind of question I think that was most prevalent for two years. I was just going, oh, am I that kind of person? Or, you know, for example, like, questions around how important is it to be financially stable? Or, like, do I want to be... You know, do I want to have another huge loan because I went to a great school? Yeah. Um, isn't that actually going to limit my choices when I come out? Like, would I be kind of guilt-tripped into going into a well-paying job again? Yeah. Um, is it more important for me to test myself, which was the ultimate answer? Um, or is it more important to work for somewhere prestigious? You know, so it's all of these questions you kind of have in the background. But you know, it's good to have a list and just go through them. So, what did what were your conclusions? What were some of the things that you took away from yeah. that time? So, really interesting. I think um, what came out was that you know my banking experience, you know, provided me with a good solid base to say, you know, actually, I can I can take some risks um, because I can always go back and say, hey, look, I've got this great track record. That yeah, really serious. Um, and ultimately the kind of risk I wanted to take weren't going to be on behalf of someone else. Cause yeah, yeah I spoke to a lot of people that work for startups and, you know, told it as it was like, and it just didn't sound that appealing to me. Yeah. It just sounded like those people were ultimately founders without the upside of having the vision and the dream and so on, but were doing you know, the slug with everyone. And yeah, that's all true. The uncertainty. Yeah, which is then how serendipitously, I mean, after two years, um, yeah, we had a dinner with Noemi and it just kind of all fell into place ultimately. So Noemi, how did you get to this point? Tell us a little bit about your journey. So, a very different journey. Uh, I basically, for now, was working into fashion retail. So I started as a fashion fashion buyer uh, in Paris. Uh, in a brick and mortar uh, department store. Um, so yeah, I did that for a few years, and um, and then I moved to London for love, of course. Ah, <laughs> I like the reverse, moving from Paris to London for yeah. love. Um, and then, so I studied in fashion retail. Somehow, I'm I'm a bit of a like I always did what I wanted to do. Yeah. So and I'm very gut feeling driven. Okay. And and I can't really force myself to do stuff I don't really want to do. Yeah. And uh, which made my boyfriend crazy because he was like, because I can I moved here for without a job, so I I start looking from Paris, but it's really difficult with the interviews, and it goes so fast in London. Yeah, you just have to be there. So yeah, I just moved here and. My girlfriend's like, oh, so have you sent CVs? I was like, no, I didn't find anything today. I was like, no, but you have to find like 50 stuff and then you will get like two answers. It's normal. <laughs> I was like, no, but I don't want to apply because what if they take me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. And at the end, I ended up, no, super luckily I met um, 
I met my then future boss, uh, boss uh, I moved to ASOS uh, and she was just starting there as a country manager and she was building her uh, team to take over the French market and uh, so I was hired as her trading manager for France. So I was not doing buying anymore, I was basically uh, building the bridge between my understanding of the French market and uh, the buyers and also in charge of all the trading activities. So it was, and also it was a shift for me as well from um, brick and mortar to, to online. Yeah, of course. And, uh, but still staying in an area that I love with the product that I love. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I stayed there for a bit more than a year and a half. Okay. And then... As we now now know, <laughs> it's okay to be made redundant. Yeah. <laughs> so no, they basically uh, had the whole structural change about their internal international approach. Okay. So they basically restructured the whole team. So the whole team kind of left. Yeah. In every in the whole international department, most of us left. Wow. Um. So that was fine. I was thinking about starting my all my own business then, but because it's something I was kind of had in my in my head I was thinking B2C because that's what I like mm-hmm. uh, but yeah no concept so I was like I can't I'm not ready I don't know what to do and I'm yeah I'm not ready yeah so I went to work for a startup afterwards where I was in charge of building their marketplace place so basically onboarding vendors and uh, building the relationship with the vendors and managing all that it was an interesting, uh, interesting experience. I guess it was a bit of a turning point in my life. Uh, a, because I was completely miserable in this job. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the first time I was really miserable in my job. And I kind of had turned into a person, like this person I hate, like the, you know, like, the morning person at work yeah, that's and, always yeah. like, and then you, mm, even when you see your oh, friends it's, it's like how are you exactly and oh it's horrible my job is shit and then and I don't like it and then <laughs> I was like that can't be me and then actually one day one more day I was like whatsapping with a friend and again like oh nah, 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 nah. and and she was like I mean what's your nurse's period just quick now and I was like yeah, actually, I am, and that was the that was the moment I was like, "That's it. It's it. it's never going to be the great moment to start my own company." Yeah, um, I'm not happy where I am, so it cannot really get worse. Yeah, um, and also, I had a weird. I didn't feel like I could face another. Let's find for let's find a job because also. I've been a buyer, I've been a trading manager, I've been a marketplace manager. So I have like loads of experience in retail and fashion retail and e-commerce and brick and mortar. But it was not like a continuous line. Okay. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make my own job and finally do what I want to do. And also um, from the startup experience that I had, I saw that A, you can make a startup without having everything sorted, like obviously. Yeah. Uh, No, but I think that's a really important thing. I think people, I've had one of my best friends, I'm always telling her, you have to launch, you have to launch. She's been playing with this idea for like six years. It's like, you're not going to have everything. You're you're never going to be more ready. Yeah. And all of the stuff that you prepped is now 
outdated. You sometimes so you've just the risk you got to do it. The risk you yeah. I think the worst is like when you've had an idea and then you see someone else do it and you yeah. go, no. <laughs> so yeah, no, I guess this, I mean, at the end, in a personal point of, point of view, this last startup experience was A, for me, the moment where I was like, that's it. I'm ready to do it. And B, somehow I learned about how I wanted my company to be, how I wanted my company not to be, what kind of leader I wanted to be. Because I actually also realized that so far I only had like great bosses that gave me lots of freedom. And that's also what, what all my job so far was like really interesting and really cool and really challenging. And so, yeah, somehow I learned, I learned like that and I also learned that yeah exactly like the startup world you, you never have it all figured out and and it's okay to not know you can still but what gave you that confidence because I think there'll be a lot of people listening who wish that they could just say okay I'm leaving done what made you confident that you would be okay it sounds so silly but I think that's the thing that makes people worried you're used to that you know, monthly paycheck, you're used to the the, yeah. the the security. When you just decided, okay, I'm going to hand my notice in, what made you confident that you will be okay and things will fall into place? And because we have very real responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. no, when... no, I, I, well, and also coming from me, I'm not a master in confidence. Okay. So <laughs> hey, if I can do it, <laughs> I mean, not that I made it yet, but at least the, the, the you took the jump, the, Taking the jump, yeah. Well, A, as we say, it's okay to fail now, as long as you can show that you tried. Mm. So now it's not like before you had to be married with your job and you have to do at least two years in a, in a, in a, in a role before, before being you able to explain yeah. to the next employer that you da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I think now it's it's... It's more understood to basically move and do the do your thing and try. Um, so yeah, what gave me the confidence? The fact that I was like, I'm smart. I mean, that's what people around me tell me. But it's the people that love me, so I'm not sure that counts. But that's what I've been told. Uh, I mean, at least I'm not dumber than most. Um, and I re- I just want to do something with myself, and if I'm not gonna try, I'll just never know. Yeah. And so, had you it, had? And, and if I fail, I will always, always be able to explain it and why it fails, and it's okay to fail. Uh, but at least I can show that I've learned so many other things, and that's true. Even today, I have already learned way more uh, than I thought I would. And uh, yeah, and, a year running yeah. your own so business, what much... you'd be able to then put into a role if, yeah. if that was the case, mm. compared to staying in your existing role for a year, you just can't even compare. It's very that. much marketable. And then one, I mean, there's something I can't really just like silence and pretend that's not part of my life. But I'm lucky enough to to live with a boyfriend uh, that has a very stable job okay. and that pays the bill for both of us and that gives me the freedom to take that pressure to take something and that yeah it's I don't need 
absolutely need to keep my job to pay the bill and yeah. to have food on my plate at the end of the month. So, of course, I have absolutely zero interest in becoming a housewife or just, like, play around for nothing. That's just not my personality and millions either. So that's why I think we are, um, we're good in that sense together. Uh, but... Um, yeah, you definitely need that space to breathe in the early stages of your business. So yeah. if that's one thing that you don't have to worry about, yeah, yeah. it takes the pressure off. Or just like a support network as well. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, like um, for me, for example, the moment I left was, I mean, A, I, I came to that point where people just didn't want to have coffees with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly they'd be like, oh, just stop moaning about it already. Like, yeah. Just do something. I yeah, want, yeah, yeah. I don't want the next coffee to sound like the last one. And, and then... Also, like, really crucially, I, I can't remember if we were, like, talking about, like, how the day was going. I don't know what. But my dad, of all people, who is the most conservative person ever, so risk-averse that um, notoriously he d- wouldn't allow my mom to buy, like, a 70K flat in Notting Hill in the 80s, <laughs> which she still blames him for. But even he said, you just need to leave. You need wow. to do something. And I went, wow, if my dad says but, that, then, then it's yeah. probably it was time a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how did your friends that were still in investment banking react when you said that you're oh, going to walk away from that? Because I guess if they're still in that headspace, it's like, oh, my God, why would you leave? Like, mm. the security for the unknown, how did they react? I think it was like seeing a curious animal. On the okay. You're kind of like... Yeah. Oh, I wonder what that's like. But at the same time, they're very clearly were like it's not for me. Yeah. Especially when they heard mm. what we were going to do. The, yeah. It yeah. wasn't like oh, I'm building an app. You know, <laughs> uh, it's like oh, startup. Hmm. Have you thought about this? And then, and also, I love how people always call it a project. It's like oh, so is this a little project of you? Like, project. Have you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you already done it for a while. Oh, and yeah. Maternity. Yeah, so you're sitting at home in your pajamas watching these women working on your little no, side but project. Weirdly, weirdly yeah. people, <laughs> people are very excited about you doing it, but it's like they wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, great, great, you should do it. Yeah, yeah. you want to do it with me? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you want to invest? Um, yeah, just keep in touch. Yeah, so you're like, what? that's a great segue. So, how did you guys meet? Oh, yeah, I actually. Um, while I was studying in London, um, I did a master's. And part of that was going to Paris to study abroad. Um, and Naomi's boyfriend, who had been studying in Vienna, actually did a, the same program and went to Paris as well. So that's that's how we initially met. I do distinctly remember the first time I met Naomi, which was at a terrible, terrible Mexican restaurant in Paris somewhere. I mean, the kind that probably only tourists go to. And I don't know what had happened with you that day, but you were in a particularly cheery mood. Um, <laughs> Oh, I remember. I didn't want to be there. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> yeah, but I have faith in people, as Noemi knows. And um, yeah, I'm like not easily sh- shaken off, I think. So when, when Noemi moved, I was really excited for Martin as well, because we had been like commuting and so on. And I was just like, great, we can be friends. So how long were you friends before you decided to go into business with each other? Six years? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, when did you move? I moved in 2012, end of 2012, so five years ago. No, then more than that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so how did the pairing happen? Did, 
who, where did the idea come from? Did you first say, okay, we want to work with each other and then started working on the idea? How did that relationship turn into a business one? So it was, a, yeah, it was a bit of, well, obviously I had quitted my job before Milan. Uh, so I was like, hey, I'm going to start up. <laughs> I think I want to do maternity somehow. Uh, well, we'll get to that <laughs> later. Uh, and I was like, yeah, but I have, uh, I mean, there's no chance I'm doing it on my own, so <laughs> I need to find someone. And yeah, and I know obviously that Milan was uh, a very entrepreneurial minded, and she was like very interested about the whole founder story, startup world. That she was not at the honeymoon phase with her job anymore, and uh, and yeah, so I just approached her. I was like, hey, I've quit my job. I want to do something in this area. I think I actually showed her like a website I really liked that I potentially would want, like, I would have liked to have the idea or whatever. And, uh, but it was like at a dinner for a completely other occasion. Like we had a friend visiting from abroad. So it was okay. like not at all the time to actually talk business. Yeah. And I just casually said it, hoping that the seed would, you know, take. <laughs> And then she texted me a few days later. It was still in December, actually, I remember, because I was going to go on holiday afterwards. And I was like, yeah, what about that? And yeah, and she was up for it. And then the, the idea came, the real idea came afterwards. So um, how long did it take from you deciding to go into business together to the idea really becoming concrete and starting to take hold? Oh, wow. Quite long, actually, because I think we were tying with, over six months, because we had a okay, first yeah. idea. We had an idea, and it's funny how you get really convinced by an idea, and then yeah. we're like, okay, the literature says we should go out and ask people about this. And yeah. then we did a survey, and we, or actually we, we spoke to lots of people before, and it's kind of funny because the most helpful feedback is sometimes really crushing, and yeah. you just go, you just insulted my baby. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then actually it's, you know, we kind of compose yourself, you go back and go, was there actually some truth in it? And, yeah. And so we had two, I'd say, pivotal moments yeah. like that. The we first like, one was like in January, a month after we had like... Was that earlier? Yeah, it was end of January. We were already kind of like working on it every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, Milan was still working, but she would come after work here every day or like on sometimes like just like on FaceTime. And yeah. We would start working on the first idea we had. And after a month... I had a chat with a friend that's very much experienced in e-commerce and marketplace, and he's a founder of his own very successful business. Anyway, and he kind of gave it to me like so, so straight that there was no way. I mean, fine, do whatever you want, but if you're just going to have a shop in e-commerce, it's just like there's too much competition. It's too difficult, so unless you're like both marketing absolute genius yeah that's not gonna so i came home and i was like no actually you're like, mm. <laughs> like seriously the, my world had collapsed like fuck i quit my job <laughs> i started this i've been working for only for a month and you have the feeling that like you've been working on it for a month yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah you're oh. already like way into it you cannot go back but like, yeah, we've rediscussed yeah. it and then we're like, actually, it's so it was so not even groundbreaking. No, it's really funny because actually you were really down and then I oh, I immediately go into cheerleader mood and then like five minutes later I was like, 
like, oh, it's true. It's like, <laughs> we're just like desperate. Going but can you it. imagine how amazing was that to have that input so early on? Yeah. In hindsight, totally, yeah. totally. Time and money. That's the oh, thing. I think, so like, much. the worst you can do is shut yourself in a room, yeah. go completely stealth, not tell anyone about it, and then pour your life and soul into something, and then show it to someone when it's completely finished. Because, actually, you're not ready. You will never feel ready. But, actually, the harsh feedback, the uncomfortable meetings, are, in hindsight, actually the ones that, that help you the most. Totally. And, and I the ones I would always avoid. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that thing. It really does feel like you're putting yourself out there. It, it is your baby, and you take every criticism like it's My you. friend actually called me in the afternoon and was like, hey, I feel I kind of crushed your mood this morning. <laughs> Just um, the time. But maybe try to think about it with this kind of approach or this kind of approach. I think it would work more. Uh, and yeah, then we reworked. So we had the first pivotal moment there. Uh, what was the second? The second was when we thought we had like, okay, we're gonna launch with that. Um, it was like awesome. We were like yeah, so excited. So basically, basically just so we, so like to understand what we're talking about. The first idea we had was like, oh, we're gonna be a huge marketplace where you can find everything, baby and maternity, and we're gonna be cool, but we're gonna be like super. We're gonna have. Everything, yeah, and um, and we're just going to be a shop basically at the end. And it's like okay, and then the second idea, yeah, the second idea was like more, you know what? Make it more. My friend said like make it more local, make it more serviceable. So we were like okay, maybe we can try some kind of personal shopping for pregnant women, or some kind of maternity box that kind of. Follows your pregnancy, and that's so you don't have to care about it. You just like register, and you receive everything you need along your pregnancy. Yeah. Um. Every month, so every trimester, we're like, oh yeah, great idea. Amazing. I would love to have this. Yeah. That's the only thing. That's the that's the thing as well. You're like your best like TripAdvisor review. You're like, this is amazing. And then and then we're like, okay, let's let's be good girls and make a little survey and send it around. And then he was like. Ta-da! Pregnant women, they, yeah, they just want to buy their own stuff. Yeah, they actually want to be involved in it. And everyone that so, like the most common um, feedback we had was, "Oh, it's great! I'd love to give it, but I wouldn't buy it for myself." I'm like, okay, also then the, gift it is. Yeah, <laughs> and also the the kind of the funny thing was that um, I can't remember how often, but the phrase, I. I think for a lot of pregnant women, this would be great. However, I'm so special that I would just be so picky. And just that phrase, which you think, like, what are the likelihoods of reading that more than once? Yeah. We read so often, we were almost, I mean, if it hadn't been so soul-crushing, we were laughing about it. Um, <laughs> but funny enough, the weird um, side effect was actually that when we were creating the survey, we had the issue of, actually, we don't know who's pregnant. So we can't target it to only pregnant yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, what happens if, like, a guy sees it or someone who's not pregnant? We're like, that's a bit of a shame if they were just going to close the survey. So we just created some questions that, you know, would open, it, would, up, yeah. would open it up a bit and get a bit of information from them, but really not expecting much from it. Okay. And, and then coming out of it, though, what was so clear, we, we were shocked we didn't realize previously, was that everyone that wanted to give a gift was actually really not desperate but completely mm. completely confused. They were like, yeah. "Well, we kind of feel like we should be 
good citizens and give nice gifts, but I have no time for it. So I work in a tough job and I don't have kids. I don't know what to get, you know? So I just get X and like some random thing that sounds giftable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we actually realized also like, like we're not moms and how we approach the subject so far was through the gift giving as well. Yeah. So finally, it actually reflected us much more. Yeah, because yeah, that's what I was going to say. We were talking about this off air that you just assume that anyone that's operating in this space are mothers. Mm, we yeah. actually didn't. Yeah. <laughs> this was not at all clear to us. It was really funny because <laughs> we always said, you know, we were looking around and when we looked at the maternity market, we were actually shocked by how cute it becomes, like how suddenly when you're pregnant you're just like one type of woman and apparently that woman loves like you know little prints of little animals and like pastel colors and so on we were just like oh that's not the women we know yeah by by pastel colors she basically means two colors (laughs) yeah (laughs) pink and blue blue. yeah (laughs) yeah must be very clear on which gender (laughs) um yeah and we're kind of going like wow we know all these cool women and we'd see like cool women in the street that just happen to be pregnant yeah but we're actually like you know super well dressed and super you know just getting on with their life and we're like where do those people shop like how do how do they put that together like and we really wanted to make it easier to be that woman and to feel comfortable in your own skin because i mean like you're pregnant you're not ill yeah you know, of course it's not you don't stop being you because you're pregnant Exactly. And yeah. yeah, and weirdly enough, the way we approached it was not about like, oh, mommy, me, 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 and we feel like we're pregnant, so now we're going to start thinking about it. It was more about um, a woman affair rather yeah. than a mom affair. So that's why we didn't expect actually to be in the mother market. Yeah. You had to be a mother. I mean, yeah. not that you had to, but that... Yeah, that was the in assumption. In effect, everyone yeah. is a mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas for us, it was more about, you know, like... There was all the hype about feminism, women's march, yeah. women's rights, um, mm-hmm. and, and the, the whole rising awareness about you know, the fact that women are treated differently and also the fact that it's not fair that women are actually mostly giving up, maybe not completely giving up their career, but at least like... Oh, they're totally having to take a a back step. Yeah, and that it's like completely accepted that you're going to do it. And like, no, why? I mean, Mm. you can keep working, you can keep being ambitious, you can keep being yourself, you're just like gonna be fat for a few months and then tired and then life goes on yeah and you created a human yeah Yeah. and we've both we've both had like full-time working mothers so we never were were raised with the the idea that when you're a mother your career stops totally so i love the idea and i think many people come up with ideas and you're like yeah i understand where this fits in the market but as we all know, turning an idea into an actual biz- viable business is a totally different thing. So talk to me about the business opportunity and a bit about your business model and how that's structured mm. and just revenue. Yeah. How does that whole side work? I mean, for us at the moment, I kind of feel like we're still in the starting phase almost yeah. where, where we have a product that gets great reviews. So what we actually do ultimately um for for the listeners um 
are gift sets or in gift boxes that you can buy from us and bring to your next baby shower, for example. Like you'll we pre-select um, and curate brands that we really believe in and then put them into handy boxes that we categorize by pregnancy, hospital, or baby. So yeah. you really need minimal information to get a great gift. Um, and also we want to encourage people to, instead of duplicating gifts and, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this phenomenon. You go to a baby shower and everyone has bought the newborn <laughs> romper. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, quite frankly, you know, unless that baby is very special, is not going to wear for very, very long, long yeah. at all. Um, you know, it would have been much more useful to buy maybe, you know, like some swaddles and, and some cosmetics and maybe even pull together to get like whatever, a buggy. You know, yeah. that would be yeah. like an amazing gift. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, people don't do that so often. So we yeah. wanted to make it very easy to, for people to share and buy a box together yeah. as well. Um, so it was really about this idea of like involving everyone else in, in the woman's pregnancy and not letting her go through this experience alone. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we started with the boxes really with the idea of going, okay, we have this idea. We don't know how much people are going to be spending on it. We don't know which products will have better feedback than other so we need to kind of test all of that yeah um so we went out with you know what we thought was like an amazing offering yeah uh and very quickly the consumer comes back and says actually this is what i like about your offering. how are they telling you that how are you getting that feedback by well, only purchasing a certain 20 percent of your offering exactly and 80 percent kind of remains untouched and you're like okay so oh so with the, with the boxes they don't it's not that you buy a box, you get everything in the box. No, people, you, people can change things or exclude things. No, I think what Nomi means is like we, we have an offering which, you know, includes, uh, I think when we launched, we launched with like 16 boxes or so. Mm. And very clear, like very, very quickly, it became obvious that people, you know, you're educating the consumer ultimately. Yeah. And so we're going, give a pelvic floor trainer to your friend. Yeah. You know, and we're like excited because, you yeah. know, everyone knows you should be doing your pelvic floor exercise. So why not oh, get the God, iPhone of yeah. pelvic floor exercises? And people just go, Neh, do you have yeah. baby things? Yeah. You know? Uh, and you just kind of going, of course, it's not the feedback you want to hear, but at the same time, you're, you, you need to listen to, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to listen to your consumer and then give them a slight nudge to get them okay. to a different space. So initially people were, very much focused on the baby boxes. Um, now we're seeing more and more people get the hospital boxes. We're really excited yeah. about that. But the initial idea that we had, which was really focused on pregnancy, yeah, that's something we still are working on and trying to see, okay, how do we get people more early, you know, more involved in the earlier stages, feel like they don't have to wait for the baby shower on the seventh month. They, they can give a gift. Totally. So from a business perspective, what do you how does it work so from a a brand a brand a brand that you're stocking they could create a box of their own what's the benefits of them working with you and how is your relationship then with the with the brands that you work with so it's mutually beneficial so the thing is yes we don't have any exclusivity with any of the brands that we're working with but we've researched loads of brands and loads of niche brands <clears throat> sorry so yes the customer could potentially make his own box but a there wouldn't be the general packaging which is yeah. cute you open it you have it all together and also it would take them a lot of time to find everything In different places um so i guess it's for a customer point of view it's the practicality of find everything 
in one place. And also there's a lot of brand discovery. So I know a lot of brand A because it used to be my job and yeah. I I like looking for brands, knowing new brands. So I usually know about brands a bit before everyone knows them. Yeah. So I love the discovery element. But yeah, so that, that's one of the points that we want to make special about Nomi is that we're going to, we are working with brands that are A, sharing our values. So smaller scale, um, ethical, respectful, environmentally and socially with a story, with something like that, that really talks to us. Mm -hmm. uh, something that's not everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so you can also feel a bit special to yeah. have it. And then I guess for the brands, um, what they get from being in Nomi is, um, well, A, the association with the other brands around. Uh -huh. um, and B, as we say, they're small brands. So, so it gives them additional It's not exposure. like they're everywhere. It's additional exposure. It's additional sales. It's putting the brand out there. So, so are you just then buying the products wholesale and then you're... So you're making it? For the most part, yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. Also because we didn't want... It's kind of like making it work with other startups. And okay. you're just going, quite frankly, we don't have a set process. Like yeah. we, we actually... I think we, when we started working on it, we were like, oh, we need to have a process. We need to work in an office. We need to do all these things. But actually, those are codes from big corporates. And yeah, yeah. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's the two of us discussing with another founder and yeah. going, okay, what are your constraints? Like, yeah. how do you work with your, you know, with your uh, production line? Like, what are the deadlines there? What are the minimums? Yeah. You know, what, what's, what are you going to have on stock anyways? And then yeah. we just try and figure out, okay, what works for both of us? Like, that's not going to be the same for a company based in Hackney than a company that's based in California. Like, yeah, of course. So it's, it's just having conversations. It's really nice seeing how, because um, those brands went through the same process, they kind of root for you and they just they want... get it. Yeah, they want to... They want you to succeed. So of course. That's really... So how do you see your revenue model evolving over the next few years? I think, well, there, there are a lot of things that we need to yeah. figure out and, and, and evolve uh, with. I think one of the things we both care about very deeply is talking to the mothers more directly. Yeah. Um, at the moment, we're very much talking to the gift giver, which is, which is amazing because actually... If you think the brand awareness with mothers is low, gift givers is just non-existent. Like, yeah. A gift giver will have seen a romper in some window shop and then next time they need a romper, they'll just go in there and buy yeah. one, which we all know which <laughs> shops that, that tends to happen at. Um, so that's, that's a really nice experience. But ultimately, um, we're still very much keen to um, accompany a woman in her pregnancy. And that's just difficult with a gift giver. Like, unless you have, like, your best friend that goes, yeah. you know. Because from a business perspective, just talking pure numbers right now, mm -hmm. it's the best business. You constantly have an influx of customers. You don't need to that's have... That's true, but at the same time, you lose yeah. them. Yes that's and the no, thing. because they're only pregnant for nine months, and then they have their baby. So and I guess your, your resources then go constantly into customer acquisition, customer acquisition. So that's, that's for now, one of the... <laughs> not issue, but like challenge that we're going to have to solve. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, as Milan said, we want to talk more to the mother. Uh, and also because that's one of the motivation we had from the beginning on. Uh, so back to this like woman empowerment thing. It's yeah. not just about selling gift. It's 
we want to be part of the whole story yeah. and have a real purpose. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, straight up number business model, because uh, that was like what your question was about. Today, we're more about like one shot sales. Yeah. So we would like to develop it in a little bit longer relationship. So by developing some kind of subscription, okay, maybe not a monthly one because we know how invasive it is. And uh, and I not, actually think not, it's so funny that you're saying that. I would actually love a monthly subscription. I was mm. telling you guys, I'm pregnant, and you know, you get such a wealth of information, and it's like oh my God, there's so many blogs to read, so many books to read. Like what products are like, like you start getting paranoid, like if if I'm using that products, is it going to be, is it harmful? Has it got nasties? If someone can, I just don't have the time to read Mm. all of this stuff. I just want someone to be like, here it is. We've checked it. It's safe. It's good. It's this. I don't have to worry about that. It's like, every month, let's let's do a mini survey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Would you like, like, wouldn't every month be a bit much? Because the thing is that in one of the surveys that we had, there was like, people don't want one more monthly uh, I guess, sample kind of thing. I guess by so, trimester. So yeah. as a woman, your your body's changing very different in your trimester. The that's, beginning, so for example, your breasts are completely you know sensitive and you've got all of those kind of bodily things yeah. changing. If I had products that were geared around those specific yeah stages yeah um that would be a dream and you Mm. just wouldn't have to especially as a first time mom it's so overwhelming and you have this guilt of like i should know what i should be doing if you could trust that someone else has kind of done that well we have we have that in our pregnancy boxes yeah except we decided that instead of having them every month Mm. or every trimester we would put everything in one box box, you would need a different stages of your pregnancy but basically we have like a belly butter we have like a legging that's going to grow with you we have a belly band we have a book to you know um guide you guide you in the in the pregnancy and um i mean and other things in the box but it's such a great idea even the hospital box i was looking at just like dream (laughs) so (laughs) easy don't have to think about it i think we're probably also a bit which is something that we need to learn, probably. Um, you know how everyone says, like, just do it, be scrappy, just get something yeah. out before it's pr- perfect. I think that's really something that we're actually struggling with because okay. we're both really nitpicky people. Yeah. We're, like, the harshest critics. And I, I think, compose that. The picture is not me. Yeah, it's not perfect. What, how am I going to spell this word? American English or English? English <laughs> um, yes, and sometimes I think we were so focused on that opening of the box experience to be yeah. a wow moment that, you know, we didn't want, I don't know, we were just dreading the feeling that someone forgot their subscription and then suddenly they get a box they didn't want and like, yeah. oh, terrible, world ends, you know. And obviously, you know, as you said, actually people enjoy having things taken care of. Yeah. So I think it's just something we need to test and see if there's response. I think the beauty of being in a small company is that actually, you know, yeah, if there's no if, rule, we can do whatever. Yeah, we can do whatever. Like, we can see if, you know, some of the feedback we've had is, oh, my, my child is already six months old. We don't have anything. Can you please do something for an older yeah. child? And so we we don't forget about that feedback. We yeah. park it and say, okay, let's focus, do something that we're currently working on right, as, as you know, yeah. as scrappy as we would let ourselves yeah. do it. And I think, then, yeah. 
Because yeah. I think as well, there's just back to the the monthly thing. We also want to be respectful. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to shove you stuff you don't want or yeah. you don't need, and then you have the feeling like oh, overwhelmed, like, well, constantly being da, pitched. Da, da, da. Yeah. So we need also to find some kind of subscription reason. Yeah. That would work. Maybe it's not even like a regular subscription. Maybe it's something that's going to be something for pregnancy and then something right before you give birth and another right after you give birth. So there's going to be a long time and then too short time and yeah. maybe mm. some kind of follow-up afterwards. So yeah, I guess to go back to the model, one of the big challenge uh, and also a concern we really want to tap into is building a longer relationship that works for everyone. Yeah. Because that's a great segue into my next question, actually. As a startup and a startup founder, you're constantly, you know, what, having ideas all mm-hmm. the time. How do you discern, like, okay, now we need to just focus on this? Yeah. You know, just that, that growth. You're constantly, like, wanting to do the next thing. How do you pace that out once you're not burning yourselves out yeah and you're creating sustainable growth in your business i think actually given our backgrounds i think one of the big learnings were that actually even when you when you told yourself wow i'm so entrepreneurial i you know i i I have initiative i you know shift things actually you were always in the very supportive environment where you have an assistant to book your room you have an analyst to you know do some research etc and like yeah whatever amount of training you you thought you might have given those people actually they take off a lot of your plate and mm. so I think a lot of it is around time management and just being like okay I need to be super harsh around my priorities and say you know for example like a great example is when when um we had just decided to split responsibilities and so we said okay one of our priorities is going to make the website less uh, what I would call our aesthetic pleasure experience and more inspirational yeah it was inspirational (laughs) people are loving our visual identity but they didn't quite understand it was a shop and yeah yeah so one of our priorities was to say okay we need to make it more of a user experience that people understand um and then i don't know i had a conversation two days later with someone and we don't even remember what it was and i was like wow no we need to focus on product we need to focus on product which was a complete departure (laughs) from what we had just said and you know and knowing me just said no, we said our priorities are going to be the website. We're going to do the website. That's and the great thing about having a partner. They can kind of reel you in sometimes. It is, actually, yeah. I think there's there's a good way of saying, yeah, it's tough, actually. I think, like, soul founders must have a great internal compass or... Yeah, partners. I... <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I'd be almost paralyzed. Yeah, I, it's hard. It's almost like I, I, need, I need a co-founder to validate an idea. Yeah. otherwise I can never fully validate it myself because I'm going to validate it but then I'm going to have like a counter idea and then I'm like oh but which one is best I don't know it's yeah, me it's that internal <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you must have that yeah. oh my god I have it all the time um, what are the, some of the things that you've learned about startup life that just no one could have told you before that mm. you only learn while you're on the job because I loved it before we uh, before we went on air you were making me laugh and saying that a friend was like I can't wait to start my business that's when I'm gonna have work-life balance yeah what are some of the common misconceptions and then the things that you've learned just by virtue of doing it well yeah I think probably for me two things are yes the whole work-life balance because yes there are no rules but 
there are no rules. <laughs> like that's also the downside of it. You know, yeah, there's no, no one, stop time. There's no like okay. Down. There's no stop time. There's no office that empties out and then yeah. you feel good about yourself because yeah. you stayed another fifteen minutes. It's <laughs> like it's twenty four seven and you just go, Oh, okay, got an idea and then I'll just send Noemi a slack at two AM go, Oh, I just remember what they talked about in the meeting. Crap, I can't believe I didn't think about it earlier. And she's not like, a joke. She actually <laughs> me. I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh, it's funny. I didn't feel like I had a message yesterday when I went to when I went to bed and I went to bed like at twelve thirty. I mean I an okay time to go to bed. It was 2 a.m. and she was like, oh, did you do that? I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, and also on, in the high, in the, on the flip side, of mm-hmm. course, when you have other priorities, because your life doesn't stop, like mm-hmm. I'm getting married, good. Um, you know, it's, it's taking up a lot more of my time than Noemi probably wants to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to have. And, you know, it's kind of difficult to set boundaries because sometimes people don't take you as serious mm-hmm. because they think, wow, but you're like a founder, you're flexible. Right? Yeah. It's like, actually, you know, I also need to set boundaries <coughs> and say, yeah. now I'm only working. Now I'm doing, taking my Okada delivery. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is actually that being co-founders, something that we completely underestimated was that you think you know someone so well, but until you sit with them in a room for your whole day, <laughs> you, you actually realize, oh, I never knew this about you. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. For example, like a very silly example, like I, I don't need to have fixed meal times. Like oh, that's an obsession. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. It drives me mad. It's like, <laughs> at oh. one, I literally have to drop my pen and I'm like, okay, it's lunchtime now. <laughs> yes, that's really funny. Like, and I need a real meal. meal. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not eat. Yeah. yeah, whereas I find like, you know, five PMs perfectly. You no, because then it's too short before dinner. Before dinner. That's so funny. What are some of the things you've learned? Um, oh. Or how is it different no, now? No, being, I had, I had, you had one? You had one? I had one and it kind of came out. There was... Um, you cut off. <laughs> or an interesting question for you. How is it like now... Going from working in a startup to running your own startup. Uh, yeah, I'm like maybe they won't. They were they were not that bad. <laughs> they weren't that far. Okay, not that easy. Uh, no, but something That's I learned. So um, something I learned. Uh, that people are not telling you is that so people say it's tough and you're like yeah yeah fine it's tough but a it's 100 times more tough than you think when someone is going to tell you it's tough it's tough because you're alone and you're on your own and there's no one telling you what to do when to do it there's no one to cheer you when you have like a you know uh, there's no i mean stupid thing but like like really stupid thing but there's no there's no like company rituals yet so at the point that at christmas you have like all your friends having their christmas party (laughs) christmas dinner and you just can't see any of them because they all have a party and you're like shall we have a christmas party (laughs) or like shall we have a christmas dinner are we having a christmas dinner every day because anyway we're having dinner together um no uh jokes jokes aside as well what is really hard i feel is that the self-confidence your self-confidence is permanently, permanently challenged because 
until you make real money, you're literally having a hobby almost. Yeah. You know and what it's I mean? hard because it's your self-worth really, becomes yeah. so caught up with the success of your business. That it's not, so yeah, it's not a hobby. Yeah. It's not a hobby, but you're like talking to your friends and in the beginning you're like, oh, I'm starting my business. And then a few months later you're like, should I say? Because then they're going to ask and what if, and they're like, oh, and, do, yeah. you know, and, and you're wondering, are my friends like, do my friends really think that I'm, you know, that I'm actually brave and that I did this thing? Or do they seem like, oh, she's cute, but... She's having a bit know, of a break away from the workforce. <laughs> it's very funny because I had this discussion with my boyfriend the other day and I was like, you know, you have up and down days. Yeah. It was a down day where I was like, again, like, oh, but I'm, I'm nothing now today, like, socially, because, like, I'm not working and I don't have a job and I nah, nah, nah. She was like, no, but you have your business. Yeah, but uh, pff, I'm selling gift box for babies. Yes. <laughs> And, anyway, and I'm sure, like, my friend, they're all, like, cheering up, but they're, like, a bit, like, it's, like, PT cheering and da, da, da. It was, like, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, not that they do, but, like, yeah, today it's that. But, I mean, the day you're going to send, like, 200 bucks a day, don't worry. They're not going to see it as a hobby anymore. Yeah, So, yeah. it's really much about... It's really much about, yeah, how you perceive yourself yeah. and how you actually have to not let yeah. you go down being like, yeah, okay, I'm not making millions yet, but I'm actually... Because, I mean, yeah. if that's a hobby, that's not a fun hobby to do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, actually, that's, that's a funny thing. I prefer doing horse riding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing, though, because actually people mean so well, but sometimes, I mean, like, any coffee I get now with a friend that has a job, it's like, oh, you should do this. I saw that in such and such magazine. Yeah, and like, yeah. Or mm. it's like, why aren't you in Vogue now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like, wow, you're in that magazine. You must sell millions. millions. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm, it's not how it works, works. actually. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny how people mean well, but actually you're just going, oh, I don't understand. And at the same time, like, if it sounds reasonable, you're like, maybe I should. Like, maybe yeah. I should be, oh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And actually, one of the really helpful things that I more or less consciously did is that Prior to starting this, I think 90% of my friends had a job and probably the other 10% were doing research or something like that. Yeah. And, but I didn't really know many people that were just starting out with their own companies because yeah. it's very different talking to, I mean, great, like you meet an amazing founder that just had an exit, you know, and yeah. they mean well, but at the same time, they're like five to 10 years ahead of the journey. And it's sometimes just nice to have other people that are in the trenches and they go, Yes, magazines never call back. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. go, oh, great. Not just me. <laughs> it's just, literally just that feeling, it's not just me. It's yeah. like, mm. yeah, it's, yeah, you, you feel that, so much greater you when you meet other, like, founders at the same stage as you, and they're like, oh, like, because otherwise you're like, oh, yeah, just raised us 300,000. You're like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, and then you meet other founders, they're like, oh, we took a loan for 50K, and we're like, oh, okay, so... Some people are actually yeah. in small numbers. Some people are actually doing like baby steps. Some people are actually struggling to the Some people, I mean, meeting. And also, you can, and it's great to see when you can help people as well. Yeah, Because yeah. you sometimes completely dismiss what you've already learned. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And you go, hey, actually, that's something I know something about. Let me help you. Exactly. Let, let me... Or we made this mistake. Don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's why I wanted to wrap up with something we were talking about before we went on air. I love that you said. 
you know, when you first started, you're like, oh, let's just, let's just do the next year. We'll touch in to see where we are. And because I think sometimes you can get so overwhelmed by that big picture, you know, in five years, I need to be turning over this amount of money. Sometimes it's just about breaking it down a little bit. Um, How do you manage to stay focused in those kind of incremental, let's put our heads down. We know where we want to be in a year's time, then work on the next thing, as opposed to getting caught up in that comparison trap. Like, why are we not this, like, huge company already in a year? <laughs> working on it, I would say. <laughs> We're still working on that. If we have the solution, that would be amazing. Um, because initially, I think also when you see your timeline nearing its end and yeah. you go, I'm nowhere near that. Like, what what should we do? Like, change the goalpost? Because, like, for example, like a very... Um, I'm not sure how funny it is. It's the really more sad example is before we launched and you know we were putting in orders, we we had these projections and they were amazing. I mean they were they were very modest from the point of view of where we were coming from in our corporate backgrounds. I mean yeah. like the millions I had in my budget previously, I just you know, I just laugh about them now. But um, you know, and, and then when we didn't hit our numbers, we actually kind of avoided the issue, I'd say. We just went like, let's just Let's just ignore this sheet that we once created called projections. Um, let's just get on with our lives. And now, um, you know, when people ask us, like, "Oh, do you have like numbers and things?" Like, we we have numbers. It's just that we've 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 left that path so long ago that maybe we should have reevaluated, said actually, what's more realistic? Yeah. And we just put on the shutters and went. Let's just not think about it. Yeah, Let's just yeah, think about yeah. today. I think literally the first year, you have absolutely zero comparisons. And that's why we we were a bit off with every goal we set ourselves. Because in, in terms of sales, for example, we were like, oh, we're going to sell this much because you have nothing to compare with. So you have absolutely zero idea how the market is going to react. Yeah. But even like... I mean, we were re- realistic before we started. We were like, okay, there's a big chance that it doesn't work like most of startups. Mm. So you know what? Let's start. And in a year, we make a point and we see if we decide to continue mm. or not. Yeah. If we're not at this point, maybe we don't continue. And do yeah. that. And again, even this goal was not realistic because we are not yet at the year mark, but soon. And yes, we haven't hit the, the milestones we wanted to by that time, but... I mean, I'm sure no Milan, no I are ready to give up yet. Yeah. Because yeah, so. you don't realize exactly how the journey is going to be. And then one year later, you're like, okay, the year is over, but I, st- I think I can still do this, 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 this. Yeah. So I think we'll just... Constantly checking in. Yeah. With, yeah. I think the real problem you have is when you're like when you don't have a this, 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 this. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just, it's really refreshing to hear you guys being so, um, so open. I think sometimes you can get into that other side where you're like, this has to work on on all costs. And you're not checking in to be like, yeah, I'm a hard worker, so naturally I'll keep working. But am I fighting too much? And Mm. the numbers aren't showing Mm. me that. We need to have a gauge to ascertain whether this is Mm. still viable. Totally. And I think also you we completely extrapolated from our own experience. Like we're both yeah. avid shoppers. We love researching and we love going for the new thing. But actually in real life you it's not everyone. Yeah, you have to educate people and people need to feel comfortable, especially take that time. Especially with something like maternity. Brilliant. I think that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for Thank being you. on the show, guys.
big thank you again to Millen and Noemi for joining me on the podcast today. Make sure to check out their website. It's www.nomi-london.com and they're also on Instagram at nomi.ldn. And guys, don't forget, every week we share a new story from an incredible female founder in our community. So check us out on the website. We're at www.thelifestyleedit.com. And as always, we love to keep the conversation going. So check us out on Instagram at The Lifestyle Edit. And just before I go, big thank you, as always, to our incredible audio engineer, Shola, for always working her magic. And yeah, have a wonderful week and see you next Tuesday.